0: episode of reading beyond the lines I was inspired by a conversation that i had with my year 12 literature students yesterday where some of the fabulous Uh, interpretations that were being made of Ellen Van Nierven's poetry, I thought were definitely worth capturing and archiving. Um, Inspired by some of my student Franco's thoughts, we decided to come together and have a chat. So in this episode, you'll hear some discussion between myself and Franco, Noah and Lucas from my Year 12 literature class. We will focus on the poem Chermy and I hope it is helpful and that you enjoy this conversation. So I want to start the conversation by uh, asking you guys what you think Chermy is about, and we might kick off with your thoughts, Franco.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I think Chermy is, well, the main themes of Chermi, uh, are are well, ownership of the lands, knowledge, the, the indigenous character of ownership and knowledge regarding the lands, uh, their integration into the modern Australian society and a silent rebellion, plus the adaptation and survival of their people on, well, Westfield, Chermie, um as one of their sacred sites. Um,
0: can I just ask you a question? You said silent rebellion. Can you tell me more about why you say that?
1: Um well if you look at the the last two pages of Chermy from uh eighteen sixty seven in the Gimpy Gold Rush, in that line and the final um, final stanza of this poem. There is hints of aggression towards settlers and well, white fellows in general. Um, and these hints really, I think, upturns the in- entire intention of this poem not to be just a celebration of their integration, but also a rebellion against, uh, well, using their survival as a method of rebellion against the, um, the, the colonising culture.
0: Um, Yeah, I think that that's a a really interesting summary of ideas and I think we talked about this yesterday with uh, the notion that Chermy is rising, going up in the world, rising, um, has quite positive, uh, hopeful connotations. It's interesting that those connotations are attached to, um, I guess, a symbol of modern suburban Australia, which is the shopping centre, and this idea that um, Van Nieven's family and mob... Are uh, able to not only survive but rise and thrive alongside modern Australia compared to the notion of Downfall Creek. So here we have this um, binary of rising and I guess I would say thriving and something hopeful attached to modern Australia, whereas um, you've got white settlement um, or settlers in 1867 finding trouble finding trouble in the creek at downfall creek um the white fellas are falling falling so it's the opposite and i think what's interesting here is that, that that binary is evoked through nature and the difficulty of white settlement or white settlers adjusting adapting and surviving on country so here we have a comparison between what um Van Nieven's family were able to do, which is to a certain extent, I guess, assimilate for want of a better word, but also what um, settlers were unable to do in that they, um, if if we read this, it looks like they've um, succumbed to country, um, finding trouble in the creek at Downfall Creek.
1: Yeah, and to add on to that, like I was saying before, the ownership of the land and their knowledge of the land is displayed through how they know literally every store in, in the shopping centre compared to when the settler invaders got stuck going north at Downfall Creek. Well, the name presumably means it receives a lot of rain and they got stuck presumably because they didn't know the land as well as the, the indigenous people so there there is also a comparison of knowledge and ownership of the land here, so is Shemi really the the settlers to
0: to name um thank you, I love that, and i uh, there's a lot of stuff happening here that hadn't occurred to me before, which is why I love teaching poetry. Noah has something to say. what's going on Noah <clears throat>
2: um, well, just on downfall creek um I'm assuming that. Before 1867, Downfall Creek did not have a name um, and that Downfall Creek is simply the name that these uh, settler invaders gave to it after facing Downfall.
0: Um,
2: And so it shows how, you know, in Indigenous culture, they may have had a name for it. It may have been nameless. It is certainly a part of the land that they would have connected to and understood. Um, And yet... For these settler invaders, it faced uh, them with such well, trouble that um, they've given it a name such as Downfall Creek.
1: Yeah, and um, if you look at the passage that follows immediately, the rain don't feel like rain when you're running from the car park. Summer mm-hmm. storms sometimes cause puddles on the floor. Auntie tells me not to slip outside to the bookstore. So um, that it could be another reference to how the... Well, the colonists got stuck because they didn't know the land, but the indigenous population have this
0: yeah.
1: have this um, ancestral connection and knowledge of the lands. Um, your auntie tells you not to slip at Downfall Creek, oh, but lovely. yeah, um, stuff like that. I, I guess um, and um, a an evidence for for their integration and assimilation can be seen pretty much everywhere else in the poem uh, with their description about their family, how their family is so interconnected into modern Australian society and how their family makeup, their their familial history is no different to, to just regular people is, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this yesterday um, and if we come back to that first line, I think we talked quite a bit about this being a real celebration of um, the strength and survival and ability to adapt of First Nations people post colonisation and that was when you were saying, hang on a minute, there's a lot more going on at the end of this poem, but I'm really interested in the very first line which kind of anchored our discussion yesterday, which is Westfield Chermie is one of our sacred sites a gammon So do you guys have any thoughts on that? I do. I might hand over to Lucas first and then you can hand over to Franco
3: (coughs) Well For this first section, at least to me, is a lot about how the First Nations people have an absence of home or a specific place that they can attach themselves to after settler invaders came into Australia. So, this poem is not necessarily describing a deficit, but displaying the effects of the deficit in that they've had to imprint on another location and call another location home, which does speak to the resilience um, and adaptability of them as a people. Um, but, yeah, it is definitely exhibiting some form of deficit um, through the need to have a sacred site um, as, like, a shopping centre, um, which is a little bit sad in a sense, but it's also it has a lot of hope to it. Um, a lot of um, what's the word yeah hope. Um,
0: I think we talked about this yesterday too it's that idea of holding uh, Van Nieuwen has this uncanny ability of holding and writing about uh, a couple of ideas at once so yeah in most of their poems there's a duality um, and I think that this is indicative to, it comes back to their identity. You know, there are, in lots of ways, they could be described as a um, living-breathing duality through their non-binary um, identity. And I think that the, the notion that a sacred site could be used to describe a shopping centre is an indicative of that ability to hold two ideas in a poem at once um, what about the, or oh, Franco, did you want to speak to that a little bit? I'm also interested in talking about the gammon. Were you still, did you, did you have no. more to say? No. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go over to Franco.
1: Well, if you look at, oh, so I'm speaking about gammon.
0: If you would like to, I would love okay. to hear it.
1: Um, well, gammon, as you said yesterday, I think, used to be an English word that was reappropriated by, by indigenous people um, at the time of the settlers. Um, this is similar to the treatment of Chermi, um, in which Van Yavin and and their family turned, well, Westfield, Chemside, into Chermy and also how they used the slash to break apart their sentences, in a way, this is um, using the settler's language in order to, to, to create to, to transform a an existing language into something that is their own. Um, which also ties into how Chermi became one of their sacred sites. Um, I think it is a testament to to the resilience and the power of their people. Um, they have always lived on Mianjin, which is Brisbane. That will that fact will never be taken away from them. And the fact that the colonists built a shopping center on their land that might have once been a sacred land does not mean they can conquer that land and on the on sacred the, yeah. the land. Yeah. So sa- sacred sites, in this case, in my interpretation at least, is not is not a a sign of. Um, a sign of defeats or a sign of emptiness, um, it, is, it is a testament to how their culture defines sacred sites and that fact cannot be taken away from the Indigenous people. It is their culture to have a sacred site mm-hmm. and it is them who decide where the site is.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think traditionally place and landscape, were what that's what we attach to the idea mm. of a sacred site. We think about Mountains, We think about rocks, trees, hills, etc. cetera. Um, but there is this pride of knowing where every shop is, which is on page 13, and Chermie is always home. Uh, Westfield's sacred to us. These these ideas kind of, um, I guess, in a sense, invert what we would traditionally imagine to be a sacred site, just as Van Nierven kind of subverts... Um, traditional uses of grammar and all of those sorts of things in this poem to, to reinforce that notion. And I think Lucas has got something to say.
3: Um, well, I made a connection more to the start of what you were saying, Franco, when you were talking about the reappropriation of certain words such as chermside into chermy. Um, and that's something that Van Niven does a lot, just making a connection throughout the rest of the uh, collection. Like she, uh, they do that a lot throughout the collection So we have Chermside to Chermie and then Gammon, of course, as well. Um, But in other poems, such as... Where did I circle? So the only black queer in the world. Black and queer in themselves are something that the Indigenous and um, LGBT community, their words that they have struggled with in the past that they've needed to reclaim and reappropriate in their Mm favour. So the use of those two words... um, in themselves is a form of re- reappropriation and also commenting on the larger communities at work. Yeah. Um, but also there's things like Malcolm Cole, I think it was, Black Captain Cook um, in the one of the Mardi Gras parades, um, like re- reclaiming these figures that have caused so much pain to them. Um I'm just going to scan through, see if there's any others, such as the treaty as well. So Van Niven also reclaims the the pain that's caused by the absence of a treaty by making their own treaty Mm. and sort of parroting that idea. So I think that's definitely a theme that you can connect to a lot of the collection. It's it's Um,
0: almost like adapting um, words to suit meaning that is empowering rather than... um, you know, or or taking ownership of things through shifts in language or changes in language.
3: Yeah. So that's what I had to say on that.
0: Um, Can we talk a bit about the forward slash? Yes. Thoughts. What are your thoughts?
3: My thoughts? Well, yesterday Amber said something really good that is now all I can really see um, with the forward slash, which was sort of flashes of memories, um, especially with the disconnected language, like the phrases are not, dramatically complete. Yep. They're just like little disconnected thoughts. It definitely feels like, especially when they're going through all these distant memories, it feels like...
0: Stream of consciousness.
3: Yeah, a stream of conscien- consciousness, but also um, like quickly changing memories or flashbacks. Fragments. Fragments, think, yeah. Think,
0: um, Van Nierven described... These as fragments of memory, mm-hmm. which that's really stuck with me. When we spoke with them, um, they talked about fragments of memory and um, basing a lot of this stuff on interviews with um, maternal figures, grandmother and, and aunties and and their mother. What else? Forward slash Noah thoughts. <clears throat>
2: um. I suppose I don't have many original thoughts about the forward slash. My thoughts probably are pretty Maybe share some
0: of your unoriginal thoughts. <laughs> um.
2: <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, all I've got written really is about what Amber said about the flashing quickly through these fragments of memory. Um, uh, and that's obviously combined with the clipped phrasing and, the, you know, the the chunks of grammar that are being used um and yeah about how it sort of these really short phrases uh separated with the slashes uh, sort of reducing and distilling all these fragments of memory to just like the real basic screenshots um mm. as you're flying through the poem um that's about it really
0: good got anything to add franco well, not on this not on interpretation. That. I've got one other thing to say about <coughs> forward slashes. Oh, I, this is not about forward slashes. So Can you I go, finish yeah, that bit? Think. Is that all right? Um, so the only other thing that I would say about the forward slash, and it was something that I was reading um, in the the va- the teaching guide for this for this poem, and that is that um, the forward slashes could be. Seen as symbolic of the way that um, symbols of or, or um, pieces of infrastructure, or construction, or buildings, or um, elements of the cityscape or landscape that aren't natural, like a shopping centre, just pop up. So it's almost like um, I think in the in the Vate guide, um, the writer was suggesting that these forward slashes pop up just like some of these eyesores of contemporary suburban life pop up in the landscape, which I quite liked as well. Um, Obviously, all of that is so open to interpretation, um, but definitely the use of the forward slash as a punctuating mark in this poem is worth commenting on. Um, I still think that the, the notion of using that forward slash um, in the same way that academics use a forward slash to denote a line break when they're quoting poetry is interesting and there's something you can do with that um, if you imagine that Van Evans thought about that and decided to take the academic version of quoting a poem and used it to write their poem. There's almost like a um, an assertion of power to suggest this poem can't be analysed perhaps, I don't know. Like a self-awareness. Yeah, self awareness of, of um, the fact that this poem is going to be interpreted, maybe. I don't know. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah,
1: um, with the uh, forward slashes, um, they are used in conjunction to regular line changes. And I think that is interesting because, well, the, the use in, I guess, the return key. Um, symbolises their acceptance of the new language, the the English language, and that's the language they chose to write this poem in. But also the use of the forward slash to, I guess, signify a change in, well, a change in sentence or a change in thought um, can be interpreted as a... (laughs) a silent revenge on, on the colonizers' language by using something that, that they usually don't use to, to accomplish something else is just like what they did with Chermi and Mianjin, which is to take, take the land and build something of their own.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it, the, that's a really beautiful idea. So the notion that um, they're going to write in English, but they're going to do... And that's right. that quote that we've talked about. They're going to do extraordinary things with English yeah. or they're going to subvert conventions of English in order to take ownership of that, just like they've taken ownership of Chermy. What quote is that? Um, it was an Adichie quote. I think we, we talked about it early on. It's not outside of the collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you have anything to add before we wrap going, up?
3: No, if we're wrapping up, then it's, I was just going to start a discussion because I was interested to hear what we think about The Alien Lover.
0: Okay, we might need to talk some more but it is 8.30 and if you can stop that and just